Hello, my lovelies. This is Terrence Smith with Tales of the Pale. This week's podcast is an excerpt from The Fate of Wolves, which is the second book that came out in the Legends of the Pale series. It also happens to be my editor's very favorite book. I think she just has a soft spot for werewolves, to be honest. Um, there are a lot of characters in this book, but I have never had anyone come to me and tell me that they just couldn't keep them straight which is a compliment. Okay, so let's see what we can do here, and I'll try to remember to breathe while I'm reading. Let's start with chapter two. Chapter one is kind of a setup that gives you some background information, which I know you're not really supposed to do in a book, but there's a lot of action in it, and it's quite bloody, and I didn't want to start the day off reading a, a gory scene. So, let's start with chapter two. Mind and body numb with exhaustion, she stood alone in the stranger's room. Her wolf had driven her here, to this place, to the stranger's territory. Soaked to the bone and shaking hard with cold, Eva put on the first bit of clothing she'd found. The discarded gray t-shirt still carried the smell of him, of both wolf and man, and of something else. She inhaled the scent deeply into her lungs, and her human mind settled and began to work again. Somehow he had reached her in his agony and pain, his loss too dear, too unimaginable to shoulder alone. Her wolf had instinctively answered his call, a stranger's touch upon her mind and senses, fleeting but as real as a brand. The unexpected connection, wholly unwelcome and unwanted, had compelled her inner wolf into action. And so in the form of her white wolf, she traveled for weeks across frozen land until that land had begun to turn green, then traversed still more miles, skirting populated areas where possible, eating wild rabbit and whatever small creatures she could hunt along the way, until she'd reached this place, this man-made fortress, this house, this room. Eva had no idea where here was, Canada or some American state further south. She knew only that her wolf was finally quiet, at peace, having reached his, his domain. How long the tenuous truce between the two halves of herself would last, she did not know. Her human half had never had much say about when her wolf would rise, clawing and snapping its way to the surface. Maybe it was because of her sex that she lacked control. All werewolves were male, whether bitten or born. She was, an, she was an anomaly a strange sort of magic. She shouldn't exist, and so Eva had rightly chosen isolation, afraid of what could happen to humans should her wolf unexpectedly rise, and to herself should the packs learn of her existence. Eva hugged herself and tried to stop her teeth from chattering with the cold. At present, both halves of her being, the woman and the wolf, wished for nothing but a thick blanket and the oblivion of sleep. A century of sleep might not be long enough to ease the weight of exhaustion that pulled at her limbs and mind like a chain, but her human half knew that the rest she craved as desperately as her next breath would have to wait just a little while longer. She needed to tend to her wounds first, to guard against infection as her body healed itself. Eva stoically worked her way to the bathroom that lay just beyond his bedroom. After being trapped in her wolf form for so long, 
The best she could manage was a jerking, halting kind of step, and bloody footprints marked her slow progress. The palms of her hands were just as badly abused as the balls of her feet, and they, too, dripped blood, laying a trail upon the rug and the wooden floor. What would happen when the one who called to her wolf returned to this house? Would she meet the wolf first, or the man? The cabinet over the sink was well stocked with supplies. Gathering what she needed, Eva carefully lowered herself to the edge of the porcelain tub and dabbed the hydrogen peroxide onto the balls of her feet. Then, rather clumsily, she bandaged them and the pads of her hands as best she could with gauze. Why he or his pack weren't here now was a mystery she couldn't quite wrap her tired mind around. Entering his domain undetected should have been impossible. She'd come from the north across his territory, onto his front porch, and up the stairs to his bedroom, leaving a clear blood trail. Her wolf had simply followed the route his mind had left behind after the initial contact. At moments during the journey, her human half feared it had been all a mistake on his part, completely unintentional, for the contact had occurred only that one time. How did he even know she existed? Eva had shared these doubts with her white wolf, but her wolf had refused to, to be reasonable, and so it was now going to be up to Eva's battered human half to deal with whomever or whatever found her scent trail first. It took Eva a good 15 minutes to summon the will to rise from her cool por porcelain perch. During that time, she contemplated the likelihood that she would be dead by nightfall. She was the very last of her ancient bloodline, but that might not be enough to save her. She'd been taught about the packs. She knew it was an act of war to trespass on another pack's territory. Her grandfather had warned her just how dangerous the male pack could be should they find her. And he had not been the kindest of men, always quick to anger and sparing with his affections. Only Eva's grandmother had looked forward to his visits. Unfortunately, Draco Azov was the only alpha Eva had ever known. As such, he had ruled her absolutely. Stay away from the packs. Stay away from humans if you can. Stay hidden at all costs. These had been his laws, and they had guided her life as long as Eva could remember. Now, because of the stranger, by day's end, she would have broken all her grandfather's commands. The horrible thought that the one who had compelled her might deny what he had done, or worse yet, might be totally ignorant of the act, buzzed inside Eva's mind like a fly. If he didn't find her first, or if he wasn't near enough to vouch for her, then she was utterly and completely screwed. Eva braced one hand against the bathroom wall. She was no stranger to death. She knew the scent of it, the taste of it. With a slow but steady shuffle, Eva Ivanova Azov stubbornly worked her way to the corner of the neatly made bed. Rest was what she needed. Just a few hours of oblivion, and then perhaps she'd be able to confront the unknown. Her bandaged hand gripped the wrought iron footboard, just as a wave of dizziness hit her. Darkness fogged the edges of her vision, and then she crumbled and dropped like a hanged man cut free from his noose. 
because I can't leave you there, I'm going to read chapter three. <laughs> I just can't stop. Chapter three. Once again, the memory played out as nightmare, a hopeless terror that Eva's mind would not let fade. With blood and screams swift at her heels, she struggled through the white, spitting snow. She was a child again, too tender in age and the wrong sex, yet the curse had come for her anyway. Her father's comforting scent suddenly penetrated her confusion. The warm musk of Ivan's skin was a brief haven too soon lost. All Eva now recalled of his face was this frozen memory of remorse and regret, and even that small bit of comfort was fleeting. Abruptly, she was flung into a snowdrift, left to live or die alone. Her two sensitive ears filled to overflowing with new screams, sharp with alarm. Then the sickening taste of terror coated her tongue as her father took revenge upon those who would dare capture his heir. Eva struggled to the surface of the snow-packed grave as her dreaming self ran on unfamiliar paws, each stride straining to escape the nightmare until a pair of callous hands snatched her from the snow grip, all snapping teeth and bristled fur. It took far too long for Eva to wipe the memory of her grandfather's stormy face from her sight and focus on the dark-bearded man who was forcibly shaking her awake. His enormous hands and a bruising grip on her slender human shoulders. She blinked to clear away the famil familiar terror and concentrate on the new one. Reading clarity in her eyes, the dark mountain of a man abruptly rose from her bedside and departed the room. A bolt was thrown home, leaving Eva in abandoned silence and a cloud of his unfamiliar wolfness. I don't know what she is, Roland replied. She has to be a shifter of some sort. There's no such thing as a female werewolf. Roland held up the ring. It was a man's ring, made of heavy Viking gold. A black onyx stone was at its center. The symbol of the Azov crest skillfully worked into its surface. Then how do you explain this? The filtered afternoon light lent the ring a glow the cold metal could not. Andre shrugged. Coincidence. That bloodline died out a century ago. Even if by some remote chance it didn't, and she carries Azov's blood, it doesn't explain the scent trail or her wounds, or why she's here, or why a shifter, Andre emphasized the word to press his point, would cross into our territory. She obviously didn't arrive in any shape to attack us. They both chuckled at the absurdity of such an idea. No shifter, let alone a woman, could hope to wage war on their pack. Werewolves and shifters didn't see eye to eye on much. If the shifters or skin changers were the blessed light side of magic, then the werewolves were every bit the cursed and twisted afterbirth of that same magic. The universe loved to maintain balance, even if it required spawning monsters to keep angels in check. At least that's what Andre had come to believe. But then he had been bitten, not born to this world like Deegan, their alpha or Roland and his son, Lorenzo. Roland's sigh was long and low, a soft whine of unease. I don't like not having answers for Deegan. That look of disappointment he gives me makes me want to. He let the statement die and shook his head like a wet dog to dislodge the recent memory. 
Andre was Deegan's second, the beta of their pack. Neither do I. A look like that is enough to make you want to do something stupid to regain his approval. But he's the one who said to do nothing but keep her from leaving. Rest easy, Rowan. Andre held out his hand to his brother, for they were all brothers under the curse. I'll hang on to it. With a nod, he indicated the ring Roland had been rubbing like a talisman between his meaty fingers. Go tell young Ferris it's his turn to keep watch. Impress upon him not to speak to her. Just to sit and do that adolescent ignore everyone thing he does so well. Reluctantly, Roland obeyed and handed over the ring. Andre caught his brother's arm in a grip that could break bone. She's not to leave that room. I think it's time we offer her some food. He let his eyes deliver the rest of his message. Of course, Andre. I'll get Jared to determine the dose. Long after Roland had left to do his bidding, Andre stared at the ring. Apparently, it was her only possession. They'd found it attached to a long cord around her neck. Roland had removed it and her from Deegan's room to what they quaintly referred to as the surgery, a room their alpha had yet to enter since Dax's death. Andre slipped the ring onto his finger for safekeeping before texting Deegan another update. She woke up, keeping her secure until you arrive. Wounds are healing almost too quickly. And that's the end of chapter three. As you can see, Eva is not in a good space right now. So if you are worried about her, be sure to pick up the book, The Fate of Wolves, and find out what goes on after this. It's in uh, all the online bookstores, and that's the only promotional thing I'm going to give you on this, but I do love this book, and like I said, this is my editor's favorite. Thank you for listening this week, and have a great weekend.